Hi, my name is Mitch Berenson, and welcome to another episode of Mind of Mitch. Now, many ask me, Mitch, what's your favorite pre-COVID memory? Well, if I wanted to choose one just before COVID, it would have to be back uh, in January of 2020. Uh, my son Updike and I took in a Winnipeg ice game. They're the local WHL team. Now, they were playing the Calgary Hitmen, which occasioned uh, several very funny jokes from me about certain Hitmen players being famous Hitmen from TV and movies. Hey, the defenseman there, that's Barry from the show Barry. Uh, the goalie, he's John Kuzak in Gross Point Blank. The center, he's Viggo Mortensen in A History of Violence, etc., etc. Now, that did not amuse Updike. He's been very hard to reach lately. When I do see him on weekends, he has no interest in watching any of the TLC shows I enjoy, like Scrap Wars, or Junk Fight, or Don't Like It, Don't Wear It, or Cheese Palace, or Drive Through Doctor, or Gout Brigade, or That's Not My Poodle, or Polar Bear Tattoo, Short Hair, Long Knife, Admiral Acne, Two-Ton Tuba, Wife Walkers, 90 Degree Fiancé, Wig Watchers, Bedbug Bastards, Martial Arts. Uh, if you haven't heard of that last one, it is about a Scottish karate studio, or Skunks of Schenectady, or whatever. So the game was fun, uh, you know, all things considered, the boys did win 5-3, to three. but I will say there was an unfortunate incident during the second period. Uh, a pair of gentlemen seated behind us took some umbrage with my sleeveless shirt and tie combo. Now I should tell you, I had just come from getting headshots done, because I am looking to become an extra. Uh, in fact, I, I might, fingers crossed, be in a restaurant scene in the upcoming Hallmark movie Suvlaki Summer. That one stars Olympia Dukakis and John Stamos. So, here's hoping. Uh, now, by the way, restaurant scenes are the crown jewel of the movie extra business because restaurants are considerably smaller than other venues, so there's a, a much better chance of you showing up on camera. And if that happens to me, maybe Updike will finally utter those six sweet words I've been hoping to hear. Dad, I love your sleeveless shirts. Anyway, they started mocking me, and when I ignored them, they started pushing me, so I knew that in order to win back Updike's respect, I'd have to stand up to those bullies. So, I turned around, and I dumped my soda in their laps. And, uh, let me tell you, that thing they say about bullies backing down when challenged, uh, I'll tell you, these fellows uh, must have skipped that class in bullying school. Uh, imagine they were probably giving one of the weaker students at bullying school a swirly. Actually, if you think about it, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the height of irony? Getting, getting bullied in an institution where you're attending to learn how to be a bully. I would think that unlike regular school, you'd get expelled if you got bullied, not if you did the bullying. Food for thought. Anyway, they, these two gentlemen uh, grabbed me by the waist, they carried me outside, and uh, proceeded to throw me on top of the arena. Uh, during my flight, I hit my head on a chimney and got knocked out. When I came to, it was 3 in the morning, and no one was around to help me down, so I had to jump. Now, the good news is, I did not break my leg upon landing. The bad news is, I did badly sprain my ankle, which 
and I now had to call an Uber to get me to the hospital because I was too embarrassed to call 911 for that. I mean, those EMTs would probably mock me just like the last time. So I had to lie there in the snow for 20 minutes, and in the meantime, a pack of raccoons happened upon me. And all six of them tried to relieve themselves on me as some kind of cruel game. Now I managed to ward them off for the most part, although one cheeky bugger got a sizable drizzle off on my thigh. But uh, one of them was really incensed that he couldn't pee on me, so he bit a pretty decent chunk off my hand. Anyway, I finally got to the hospital, although my Uber driver charged me extra because the scent of raccoon urine wasn't faint enough for his delicate sensibilities. The, the, the term hothouse flower comes to mind. Uh, anyway, I got my hand treated and the ankle looked, looked after. Uh, I then noticed that there were no texts or calls from Updike, which somewhat hurt my feelings at first until I realized he, he knew I'd be okay because he knows how strong I am, how resilient, and his apparent lack of concern was really just a show of faith and respect. So I texted him, I'm fine, don't worry, and he texted back uh, around eight hours later, K cool. I assume the letter K meant okay. So yeah, any night that involves being tossed onto the roof of an arena, badly spraining your ankle and getting peed on and bitten by raccoons, you know, for many, they wouldn't consider that a triumph, but uh, you know what they say? Even if raccoons are peeing on you, it's a learning experience. And that lesson is, don't let it happen again. Time now for a segment we like to call Community Billboard. This is a rundown of goings-on throughout the province of Manitoba this week. If you have an event you'd like to submit for this segment, please email mindofbitch at gmail.com. And yes, you did hear that right. That's bitch as in B-I-T-C-H. I misspelled it when I first signed up for my account, and I'm not sure how to change it. The Selkirk Firemen's League is having a contest on Tuesday from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Selkirk Fire Hall to see who can kiss the fire truck the longest. Whoever is able to plant their luscious lips on Big Red, longer than anyone else, will take home the grand prize of $500, a coupon for a free McDonald's apple pie, and a long hug from local top hat enthusiast Elegant Craig. Second place will earn the McDonald's apple pie coupon, a $50 voucher at Pants or Less, and a shorter, less passionate hug from local top hat enthusiast Elegant Craig. Third place will get the McDonald's apple pie coupon, a handful of grain from Jeff's Grain, and a copy of Canada's most famous non-lethal shootings by Casper Jollibee. Past winners include Selkirk Mayor Joshua Fries, the bassist from Harlequin, Viggo Mortensen, and fiddle pro Ernie Thompson, who died moments after his victory from a completely unrelated bout of dehydration. Get to the hall early if you want to win the 50-50 raffle and take home a life-size plush doll of town bully Asher Tosh, or if you want an autograph and a picture with Jets defenseman Neil Pionk, who has guaranteed us he will not have a cold this time. Entry fee is $25. All proceeds will go to the Selkirk Pornographic Caricature Society. The town of Verdon is holding a Zoom social this Saturday from 9pm to 2am to help buy Todd his first hat. 
Todd has never owned a hat before, and at the tender age of 46, he's decided to give it a whirl and place one on top of his enormous apple-shaped cranium. Unfortunately, a town ordinance forbids all Verdon residents from borrowing hats, and Todd has been banned from the town haberdashery for taking a leak on the buckles. So, the townspeople are raising money to buy Todd his first chapeau, possibly either a small one or a red one. The evening's festivities include a midnight visit from local Randy Bachman impersonator slash sibling Teddy Bachman, a DJ set from Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk, and the unveiling of Todd's brand new silly dance, which he swears will actually be different from his last three, even though he has said the same thing each of the last three years. The Zoom link will be provided in the show notes, and suggested donation is $15. Event organizers ask that any attendees please wear some form of clothing. On Thursday at 8pm, Monograph Books in Brandon will host a virtual reading from award-winning novelist Shauna Plush, whose new book, Bupkis, set in 1985, chronicles a teenage girl's obsession with Chicago Bears coach Mike Ditka. Plush, who has been called the voice of her generation by no less an authority than Frank Stallone, is the recipient of the 2017 Giant Tiger Literary Prize, the 2016 California Raisin Award for Creative Writing, and the 2018 Pulitzerish Prize. Critics are calling Bupkis an unflinching, painfully honest look at love, loneliness, and the 1985 Bears' offensive strategy. New York Times says Bupkis is, quote, surprisingly depressing. Based on the premise, I thought it might be funny, but the opening page tells you not to laugh or even grin, and I didn't do either of those things once throughout its 978 pages. This is a free event, but be warned, Plush has vowed that anyone who visibly or audibly enjoys themselves at the event will be ejected and possibly assaulted. Following the reading, there will be a Q&A and book signing. The event will be hosted by Winnipeg Jets defenseman Neil Pionk. Well, I wanted to end this episode by reading something that's very special to me. Anyone who knows me knows I'm writing my autobiography, tentatively titled Letting My Soul In Through the Back Door. I'm proud to read you the opening chapter, which I finished just last night. Chapter 1, An Emergence. April 9th, 1970. A momentous date in human history. The New York House of Representatives legalizes abortion throughout the state. Paul McCartney announces he will no longer record with the Beatles. The number one movie is Patton. The number one song is Bridge Over Troubled Water by Neil Simon and Art Garfunkel. Yes, you read that right, Neil Simon. That's not a typo, guys. It's a joke. There's going to be a bunch of those, so strap in. If you don't care for humor, you might want to throw this book in the ocean for the seals to chomp on. Yes, a fine day indeed, but in this reporter's opinion... It didn't really kick off until 3.52pm Central Time, when yours truly kick-flipped out of his mother's birth canal, with a flare that announced to all those present, How's it going, you friggin' squares? Everyone present was delighted. Mum, Dad, Gramps, Granny, and the process server, who was there to give my dad a summons. It was a joyous occasion, and certainly took the edge off my dad getting sued by his customers at the eyeglass store, for giving them fake lenses made of plastic wrap. I was born in Cochrane, Manitoba, population 10,582. 
The 1970s and 80s were a wonderful time to grow up in Cochrane. Revenue was pouring into the city from tourists flocking there to see the Cochrane Ventriloquist Dummy Factory, the world's largest manufacturer of wooden puppets. All the big dummies were made at that plant. Lester, Slappy, Percival, Shoop Shoop, Nagahide Ned, Koki, Horseface, Tarantula, Smitty, Henry Smoochinger, Plaid Pete, Porno Pete, and Flappy. The doll who became notorious in 1985 when his handler Jonathan Shaw accused him of coming to life and stabbing him in the thigh during a dispute over a gambling debt. The town was so proud, they put up a sign on the highway that read, Cochlin, you're a dummy if you think we don't make dummies. Town council eventually decreed that sign to be too confrontational, so that was replaced with Cochlin, we're not dummies, we just make them. Town council eventually decided, we're not dummies, was an answer to a question no one was asking. So they finally settled on Cochlin. We make famous dummies, and we make dummies famous. That sign got destroyed after a week by town stumblebum Aynard Branson, who ran over it during a high-speed chase with police after stealing the only book from the town library, a copy of Gore Vidal's Burr. My childhood was like that of any other boy. My mother was a prison chef, who raised me and my sister Entwistle by herself after my father was imprisoned for witchcraft when I was two. I did every activity you'd expect from a young lad. I played hockey, baseball, football, and basketball. I went snowmobiling with my Uncle Ed, shared with me his love of chewing tobacco and Disney comics. And I'd go hunting for frogs by the stream with my best school pals. Chalky, a cockney brute with a hair-trigger temper and a voracious appetite for both milk duds and hand-to-hand combat. Mason, an effete Afrikaner prince from Cape Town, whose family lived in an enormous mansion where the town hospital once stood before his father bought it and had it demolished. And Studs, who basically just stunk. When I got older and became more interested in the fairer sex, I'd go to socials in town, or in nearby burgs like Ashton, Wainwright, and Larkspur. Scoring drinks with the help of older lads and losing my virginity at age 17 to Holly Shooter, my lab partner, standing up inside a large hollowed-out hay bale at my Aunt Sheena's farm. Digression, Aunt Sheena was the only survivor of the Great Manitou Bush Fire of 1982, which claimed the lives of 12 grasshoppers. Yes, twas the typical life for a country bumpkin in every way. Heading into 12th grade, my plans to go to university, get a pharmaceutical degree, marry a woman who can only make it up to three peppers on the spice rating system at Wild Wings, and have two kids who end up living in the same cul-de-sac two blocks from a bridal boutique or going swimmingly. Then at my high school graduation, something happened that would forever alter my life in a way I couldn't even see at the time. It is this event that marked my divergence from my planned route and sent me hurtling onto a gravel-strewn back road, whose sharp rocks would tragically puncture my tires. What was that incident? I remember it as if it were yesterday. On June 24, 1988, Thomas Steen slapped me in the testicles. There it is. Uh, Let me know what you think. This has been Mind of Mitch. Parting words of wisdom. When chased by a man with a flamethrower, the true sage simply lets himself burn out.